Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You were meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. (laughs) (laughs) He almost forgot his two there. (laughs) The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. How do children affect your psychic development, and how does your psychic life and development affect children? That's our fascinating topic for this show today that many people may not even think about. It doesn't matter whether you have your own children or not. Chances are you come into contact with children at least once in a while. Of course, you were a growing child for a few years in your earlier life as well. So what kind of impact do children have on you and your psychic development? How about the converse of that? How does your level of psychic development affect children you have some kind of relationship with, even at a distance? Let's start with how children might influence your psychic development. I know quite a few parents who were first introduced to spiritual, metaphysical, and philosophical concepts that they never thought much about by their young children. In fact, if you were to listen carefully to what toddlers and preschool-aged children say, some of them will speak very casually and knowingly about their experiences prior to being born or in their previous lifetimes. Perhaps even more frequently, they'll make comments about others, even total strangers they shouldn't know anything about, that turn out to be profoundly perceptive. I remember one student of Michael's whose youngest son would interject statements in the middle of a normal of normal everyday activities like eating breakfast that at first made no sense to her. This boy who was a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, upper-class, all-American kid who never traveled even out of the city he had lived in at the time would say things like, Mom, that's not the way we did this in China. And that wasn't just once or twice, and he wasn't joking. He said things like that frequently, and with a lot of criticism sometimes. (laughs) This child of hers played a big part in her pursuing her own psychic development. When a soul incarnates into a physical body here on Earth at birth, it takes a few years for that soul to fully arrive here from its true home in spirit. That means the soul's experience is so much closer to that of being spirit than being a physical person in this world. It is during this major transitional time that the spirit realm is naturally much more familiar to the child than the earthly one. That is why the child may speak much more casually about experiences as a soul than one of being a small physical person that's trying to find his or her way here in the world. This is often the time period in children's lives 
that if not only the parents, but also relatives, school teachers, ministers, doctors, and other adults interacting with them actually fully listen to them, the adults would gain much more understanding about their own spiritual nature and psychic life. Granted, children do need adult guidance, but it's not a one-way street. As souls, they have much to offer the adults as well, especially in matters of spirit. Although sometimes the super high energy of children may become a bit overwhelming, especially for busy, overworked adults, there is much that children offer in terms of expressing the creative power and joyousness of life. It is in the psychic nature of your being that your creative power resides. All too often, Adults neglect, ignore, or simply lose touch with that within themselves. Children teach us by demonstration rather than by intellectual explanation. Your relationships with children will help you learn to access that limitless reserve of life force and creative power for yourself. In fact, Jesus repeatedly pointed out that in order for any of us to enter the kingdom of God, we would first have to be as little children. What do most people end up neglecting or ignoring by the time they become adults that we would have to become as little children in order to return to our spiritual home? One of the most fundamental differences between children and adults is how much energy the average child expresses as compared to the average adult. That expressed energy is creative life energy. It seems by the time most people grow up into their middle or later adulthood, much of that creative life force has been allocated to something and they have less of it to express creatively. That life energy tends to get hung up in the various hardships and hurts that the soul becomes beholden to over the years of living if the soul doesn't gain mastery of its life energy. Yet, it's never too late to heal yourself and reclaim all that energy you stashed away in any unresolved life experiences. Being around children gives adults the opportunity to look at that and learn to reclaim that energy from their past. Another way that being with children can help you in your psychic development is that in order to communicate with them more effectively, you have to become more aware on the psychic level. Not only due to children being closer to spirit in general, but also because so much more of a child's communication is nonverbal. To deepen your relationship with a child, you have to go deeper within your own psychic being. You would need to learn to trust more of your intuitive knowing of where a child is inside and what more they are communicating to you beyond their words. The greater part of learning a child's language is learning the psychic language of the soul. Now, the relationship between children and your psychic development goes in the other direction as well. How do the level of your psychic development, how aware you are of your psychic energies and abilities, and how you live your psychic life affect the children you interact with? Again, Children are often naturally much closer to their psychic nature than most adults. That means they are that much more sensitive or aware on a subtle energy level than most adults. Yet they might not 
have had sufficient life experience to learn how to correctly manage their various psychic sensitivities. The combination of those factors makes such children that much more vulnerable to adults as well as other children's psychic energies. If you are quite aware of your psychic life, awareness, and energy and have developed at least a good degree of knowing how to manage them in yourself, the sensitive children are going to have a much easier time in relating with you. You would be psychically much safer to relate with because you would know to be in your own psychic space and not invade the child's inner psychic space. Also, the more psychically aware you are, the more you would be able to validate the soul of the child you are communicating with, and that alone would give that child an important boost in life. Even if you only see that child once in a while, a little real validation of the child's psychic self will go a long way in that child's certainty and well-being. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed working with many Many remarkable children over the years. Well, one time, a mother of a seven-year-old boy told me that he was going through a difficult time for some reason. So I invited him to accompany me to a public TV show that I was going to be interviewed on as a guest. Once we got to the studio, the producer of the show, who happened to be a good friend of mine, asked the boy if he'd like to be the clapper for the filming of the show. And uh, what clapper is, is is a short for clapperboard, uh, is the traditional board used in film and TV production to assist in synchronizing the picture and the sound and has all the information about the film role, scene, which take it is, and other pertinent data about the filming. And so the clapper loader or clapper for short, is the person who holds the clapperboard in front of the scene that's to be filmed at the beginning of the filming and facing the camera with that clapperboard with the information on it so the filming gets that. So when the film editor uh, later on is going through the editing process, ah, here's the beginning of that scene, that take, and uh, that's the part... Many of them, many of you might have seen in, in some of the uh, portrayals of movie making in the old days. They have the clapper board uh, in front of the scene and, and the person next to it. And he goes, clack, you know, with the makes the noise and says, OK, take three, scene four or whatever. Take 200. <laughs> yeah, take <Clap>. 200. <laughs> it's a, one of those commercials. I wonder always uh, those Food commercials where you have to taste something or eating, you know, <laughs> takes 700. Uh, anyway, so anyway, that's what the what's the clapper does. And, and so this wonderful boy got to do that for the whole film shoot that evening and work with the camera crew and the director and everything. And, and I, I had a great time. It was a, it's a really bright kid. And as they say, a fun night was had by all. Well, after the filming and mingling with the audience and crew over the snacks and refreshments, uh, I drove the boy back to his home. And the next day, his mom called me to let me know that her son was doing so much better and was back to being his usual happy, loving, and cheerful self. She told me that the first thing her son said about the evening when he got home to her was, 
Michael can speak to me without opening his mouth. <laughs> you know, only kids say it, say things on, on that level because that's what's really going on, isn't it? When he he's hearing me speaking with him spirit to spirit, telepathically and, and as spirit to spirit, he's getting the whole communication, but he notices that unlike most people speaking to him, I'm speaking without opening my mouth. Ah, and it's it's one thing to be you know for me to be aware of speaking to someone's spirit to spirit like that, but it's a wonderful thing when that person actually hears it consciously and tells his mom about it. <laughs> so she was surprised, and I was really tickled. Over the years that I have known this boy, he's certainly benefited my psychic development. He's helped me greatly with my psychic development, and hopefully I help him with his. I've met so many parents who are having a difficult time with a child of theirs over the years. Pretty much every one of them didn't feel they knew, the parents, you know, they knew what to do in their situation at the time with their child, because it was essentially one that was largely about the child's psychic and spiritual development rather than a physical, intellectual, or psychological one. In many cases, just a little validation of where the soul of that child was made a huge difference in their well-being. Also, often children will recognize you from a prior lifetime in which you knew each other. One time, a father of a young boy came to see me for himself. You know, the father wanted to see me. But he had to bring the boy along because he couldn't get childcare set up in time to make, make it for his appointment. When they arrived, the boy immediately turned to his father and said, see, I told you. And the father had to explain to me, he told me that, oh, he's saying that in reference to what the boy kept repeatedly telling him during the drive over, we're going to go see a Buddha. We're <laughs> going to go see a Buddha. <laughs> and the father said, what a peculiar thing this kid is saying to him. And, and the he said, you know, the father said he didn't know what his son was referring to. But when they arrived, the boy seemed satisfied, according to his father, that he was right about it. Why? Well, he and I knew each other in a previous lifetime when we were both Buddhist monks. And I was a teacher in that community. So that's what he was already being completely aware of and excited about, oh, he gets to see his old friend. And, uh, and he thought of it as, oh, we're going to go see a Buddha. And, and, uh, and it was very clear. The boy didn't say, we're going to go see the Buddha. He was saying, we're going to go see a Buddha. Ah, and, and the thing is, you have to kind of be there in that lifetime <laughs> to understand that. <laughs> I've had the great fortune of being able to welcome in an incoming soul friend of mine uh, of many lifetimes at their birth or sometimes shortly thereafter. It's an especially joyful occasion. It's a bit like a very profound 
long-awaited reunion. That's kind of my experience. When the parents of such newborns are also aware and psychically developed, it's even of greater benefit to the incoming soul. But even if the parents are clueless about such things, a very capable and psychically developed child needs just an occasional touch-in and soul-level validation from a spiritually aware person to get going or keep going in life in a pretty good space. A few years ago, I was invited to teach a few classes ranging from fourth grade to high school at a public school in Chicago, which was physically bordered on three sides by three rival gang territories. Yeah, it's heavy-duty place. The majority of the students in the classes was from low-income Hispanic families, and in my first class of the day, I found a classroom full of bright and beautiful fourth graders. How would I get into communication with these kids? As I said hello to them in spirit and looked over their faces, I realized that a large percentage of the kids in that class were immigrants from somewhere else, most likely Mexico, Central, or South America. I found a common ground they might be able to relate to since I was born and raised in Japan. So I asked the class, how many of you were born in another country and then came to the U.S.? More than half the students in the class raised their hands. So I told them, I too was born in another country, and immediately several of them wanted to know which country. When I told them Japan, many were interested, and they threw out all kinds of interesting comments like sushi <laughs> and, uh, and konnichiwa. And it, was, it was a lot of fun, and now we were in communication, or at least enough of us, and I can start. Well, we're coming up on our first break right away here. Uh, Michael will complete his story after the break. But this is the time we like to tell you about some of our upcoming events. And we wanted to invite you to join us for our next teleclass. Oh, no, not you again. Energy <laughs> work to heal your work relationships as part of our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think teleclass series happening this Saturday, January 15th from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Often you are brought together with other souls with whom you have a karmic relationship in work situations. Yet no matter what brings you and someone else together at work, you always have something to learn through having that relationship. Learn more about your relationships at work and how to do psychic energy work to heal them. Also, we just did a weekend last weekend, Heal Your Energy in Your Pathway for 2022 with four teleclasses. And you are welcome to call our office at 530-926-2650 and speak with our assistant, Noelle. And you can purchase this even after the fact. It was a most profound weekend. I think one of the best ones Michael has ever done. And even though you might have missed it this weekend, it might be great for you to pick up on it and check it out. Anyway, for all the details for any of our events and to sign up, go to our January events calendar section at Michael Tamura, T-A-M as in Mary, U-R-A dot com, or call our office at 530-926-2650, as I said, during normal business hours specific time, Monday to Friday. In just a bit, we'll return with Children and Your Psychic Development. We'll be right back. 
If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. We've been having fun with our topic for today, Children and Your Psychic Development. So let's find out more about the different ways your relationship with children impacts your psychic life and promotes your spiritual development. Well, before the break, I was starting to talk about uh, the experience I had many years ago, several years ago, in Chicago, teaching the first class of the day was a fourth a great a class of fourth graders. And um, so I was mentioning that, you know, I wanted to, find a common ground to get into communication with the kids. And I thought I found one in terms of, you know, most of the kids in the class came from another country. And so did I. So so I start that way and it was it was great because everybody got excited and, and they wanted to know about Japan and they made comments about what they thought of, you know, when they heard that I was from Japan, then then people start you know, saying things like sushi, <laughs> arigato, and you know, konnichiwa, <laughs> whatever they knew, and so it was. It was a great. They were just incredibly bright, uh, wonderful kids. And before I got to that, uh, I was cautioned about using words like psychic and and even spirit, since this was a public school, and who knows how the faculty and the administration. Uh, would react. So I started by asking another question. Once once the rapport was there and, and the enthusiasm was really pretty high, so I started with the question, well, where do you go when you go to sleep at night? <laughs> the first reaction <laughs> was the teacher sitting in the back of the room, uh, buried in, you know, taking care of paperwork and grading papers or whatever he was doing. So he was totally absorbed in that until I, I said that part. And he just bolts up and looks at me and goes, whoa, what kind of question was that? And so I, I, I thought, oh, I got his attention right away. But 
even more amazing was the kids got into even more enthusiasm and they were their hands were shooting up like nobody's business wanting to be called on to give their answers but before I could even start calling on them they couldn't wait so they started shouting out their answers like I go to dreamland I go visit my grandmother who died I go to school what amazing answers right Every single one of them told me they went somewhere. Rather than, when, if I ask that question to most adults, they go, oh, go somewhere? Well, I, I go to sleep. And, and, and then some of them might say, oh, when I sleep, I, a lot of times I dream or whatever like that. They don't say, I went somewhere. Even if I ask them, where do you go? They were actually aware they were very aware that not only do they actually go somewhere to have a different experience when they fall asleep, it's they, they knew where they went <laughs> and what kind of experience. Uh, I don't have the time to go into all the details, but, but the kid who said, uh, I go to school, we continued with that and he talked about what that was like. Huh. Uh, the girl who said, uh, uh, I go visit my grandmother a lot when, when I go to sleep, who, who died uh, last year or whatever. And she went into detail about her experience with, with her grandma. Well, the teacher of the class was now absolutely duly amazed by his students and, and their answers and their enthusiasm. So he stopped grading papers or whatever he was doing with his paperwork, and he was just fully in the class uh, enjoying the whole experience. Because several of the students told me that they went to see a loved one who had passed away when they go to sleep, I decided to then ask the class if any of them felt like they had visitors sometimes, like when they were getting ready to go to sleep at night. I didn't have to explain any of that. Again, the good majority of the students shot their hands up high, wanted to be called on first, you know, and, and when I asked them who visits them, they start to answer with, my grandmother who died last year, my friend who got shot by gangs a few months ago, my brother who got killed by gangs last year, you know, this is in a very heavy gang uh, territory. It, it, was, it was a very profound experience for me. And they wanted to talk about their experiences. So it was, you know, we were off to a flying start. Fourth graders, amazing, amazing souls. But on the outside, you know, they're from pretty, very poor families. And, and you know, they're, they're not considered to be VIPs in this world. Interesting, isn't it? Well, meanwhile... With all of this, I was so engrossed in working with these incredible kids that I, and I'm facing, you know, of course, toward the kids and, and toward the back of the room. There was a little bit of space behind me uh, in the front of the room. Well, I was so engrossed in working with these kids and being just like, wow, this is amazing, that I didn't notice. <laughs> I hadn't noticed that the principal of the school <laughs> had snuck in. And he was sitting some distance back behind me in the corner of the room. 
where I couldn't see him. <laughs> uh, I just later found out from him uh, because after the after the class, somebody came and said, you know, uh, only if you can and if you're willing to, uh, the principal would really, really like to spend, you know, even just 10, 15 minutes with you after you're all done with your day here before you leave, if possible. And I said, oh, absolutely. I, I would be delighted to to meet the principal, right? So when I met him later at the end of the day, <laughs> this is what he told me. He says, yeah, I, I had to check you out because, you know, these are my kids. And and uh, uh, I wanted to, I didn't know anything about you other than a few things I heard. And, and you're not a regular kind of a school teacher coming to substitute or, or teach regular curriculum. So I had to come and check you out to make sure everything was good. And, and uh, what happened was, was that as he sat there, he uh, loved it. <laughs> That's why he wanted to see me afterwards. He told me later on that because he's the principal and he has so many things he has to do, he couldn't stick around. He would have loved to stay the whole class. And, and this principal was probably one of the finest, you know, extraordinary principals of schools that I've ever met. And he said that even though he couldn't really stay for the whole class, what I was telling the kids, what the kids were being able to ask me, who had permission to ask me, and what I was answering to with them, he says that's the stuff he was so enthralled with because he says he really couldn't talk about all those kinds of things that he heard me talk about even in the short time he was there. But that's the stuff that the kids in the school came to talk to him about. Ah, like like the spirit of the deceased visiting them at night and what to do with them. Some of them were scared. Some of them were happy. Some of them didn't, you know, didn't know what to do. And a lot of these kids he knew came mostly from very strict traditional Catholic families, and they didn't have anyone in their families to talk about, talk to about those kinds of things. So they came to him, the principal of the school, to talk about it and ask about it and get some reassurances. And so he says he, he didn't have much to offer them in terms of personal experience and, and understanding of everything other than just reassuring them that, yes, these things do happen instead of invalidating them that, you know, they're, they're just imagining things and, or don't say things like that and that, that they usually get from other people. And to, to encourage them not to be afraid of them and, and to continue to talk to him about it. So he knew at least he provided uh, an outlet for these kids to to. Talk, go to somebody safe to talk about, and and even if he didn't have the answers and everything else, so that was really incredible to to have that time to talk with this principal of a public school. He's since retired, but we're re, we remained friends uh, ever since, and and we still communicate uh, periodically with one another. So then. After I was finished with him, uh, he says, well, would you be willing to to address 
my whole faculty and staff. <laughs> and that was the end of the first day where I, you know, I did teach a, a high school class. So every single thing at that school was an incredible experience for me as well. And I heard from the various teachers of of those classes that it was uh, for most of their students, their, most of their kids from fourth grade to high school, they had an incredible experience. And even to the extent where one kid that I saw was one of the brightest kids in this high school class, but he was in the back and literally uh, arm across his chest in the beginning when I walked in and got introduced. And then when I start to speak, he turned backwards. He turned his back toward me, toward the front of the class where I was, and his uh, sidekicks, about three or four other boys, also followed his lead and turned their back toward me. And, and they completely distanced themselves and, and got away from, uh, we're not going to listen to this, you know, garbage, right? And, and uh, in that class, it was, it was really amazing because he was so bright. And so what I realized I had to do, I couldn't talk directly to him. So I, I picked out another boy in the class that seemed to know this boy very well. And they were kind of friends, not in the same clique, but friends. So I addressed that other boy who was still listening in the, toward the back of the room. And I start to, to talk about his friend. <laughs> behind his back <laughs> literally in front of his back, <laughs> of his back. <laughs> and that got to the to the other boy he he was getting initiated into being a leader of a gang oh but he wasn't fully in yet and apparently the communication we had got through to him so profoundly that we talked more later on too. But when I heard uh, a month or so later from the principal that this boy who was going toward leadership in a gang, in a gang uh, turned around, got out of the gang, and instead the principal invited him to join the basketball team. And this kid never joined anything before, especially on a school level. And uh, once he joined the basketball team, he proved himself, and now he was the captain. He, he was going to be the captain of the basketball team. And, and then so we kept in touch for a while, and, and uh, the boy ended up, by the end of the school year, he ended up applying to a private uh, academy. Amazing. Amazing change. And, and started to really step into his more leadership, young leader uh, role in, in life. Michael isn't telling a tenth of the story. It is a very profound and very long story. But to say the least, being able to give someone a little bit of psychic communication, whether they know they're receiving that or not, can be very profound for a child. Yes. So, so that was many, many, many experiences like that with varying age of ages of kids. 
Yeah, when I grew up, of course, um, as you know by now, if you've been listening to our show for a while, I came from a very large family, which made me very valuable when I was about 12 years old as a babysitter in the community because five of the children were younger than me and I knew how to take care of babies as, as early as you know infants up to teenagers, even older than me sometimes. And one of the things that I learned um, before I knew words like grounding and that sort of thing is that children were had various levels of sen- sensitivity, and their sensitivity really affected their behavior. So if certain types of sensitivity were happening and the children were bouncing off the walls, it's very hard to control them. So as the quote-unquote favorite babysitter in the neighborhood, what I learned to do was I always brought my guitar with me and uh, was able to, whether it was one kid or, you know, six, I, I my specialty was large families, so sometimes I babysat six or seven kids at once. Um, I would turn it into a little music fest, and what I discovered many, many years later when I got my psychic training was that... Um, I was helping to ground them into something that they loved and something that would calm them down and something that was pleasurable for them as well. So as, a, you know, not not being aware of my psychic abilities at the time, what I learned later that I was doing was I was bringing them into a common place, an energy that was very nice for them and where I usually got 99% of the time I got full cooperation even with the worst behaved kids that I babysat. Yes. I mean, there's so many stories we have in working with kids, even though that's not normally what we do in our in our work. But kids are great. They'll, they'll show up. And so many times how they show up is they get the parents, one of the parents to yeah. come to us. And and then, ah, here's this kid that's going, okay, how about me? <laughs> that's right. Well, our second break is coming upon us, so I wanted to remind you that you can call our office to purchase any of our edited and mastered teleclasses, courses, all-day seminars, and retreats as MP3 downloads to inspire you and to give you simple but powerful tools you can apply in your daily life and to help you manage its various challenges as you grow spiritually. You can find many of the titles and descriptions by clicking on the Download Audio tab in the Events menu section of our website, michaeltamora.com, or by calling our office at 530-926-2650 and speaking with our most competent and wonderful assistant, Noelle. She can tell you anything you'd like to know about our work. When we return, we'll continue with Children and Your Psychic Development. See you in a couple of minutes. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. 
That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer, the award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Wonderful to have you back. We've been exploring the fabulous and fascinating topic of children and your psychic development. Most adults aren't aware of just how much children impact their psychic life and spiritual growth. So let's find out more about that. I wanted to start with a little story. Um, Not quite a story because I think many of you will have this in common. And that is um, when you approach a baby in someone's arms or in a carriage or a stroller or whatnot, have you ever had the experience where you would go up to Coochie Coo the baby and the baby <laughs> starts screaming its head off? <laughs> I, I know someone in my uh, within my circle who complains about having that experience. Every time I come around a baby, they just start to scream. Well, that's a really good example of a, a little child trying to teach you something about <laughs> what they need on a psychic level. And usually when that happens, the the person, it, and it may be unconscious until they learn how to do this, they're not in their own space. Remember Michael was talking about being in your own space at the beginning of this uh, radio show, is being in your own space around children is really important, and even around animals. You know, children and animals are very close together <laughs> on that mm-hmm. earthly, you know, um, what vibration they're at until they grow, grow up more into their more human selves, if you will. But children are very sensitive to energy, extremely sensitive to energy. And if you climb, if if you're looking at a child and you climb into their space with your energy, they're not going to like it if they're sensitive. If they're out of their body and floating around, you know, on the astral or, or half out of their body, they might not be bothered by it. But if they're fully in and you come in and charge in with your energy, even though you're standing two feet from them and not maybe even touching them, they still feel your energy. And they're teaching you, don't come into my space. That's painful or it doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing that children teach us, little, especially little ones, because I'm so fascinated a lot of times with little children, the littlest ones, is if you come around a baby and you are in your space, what they'll do is they'll look above your head. You know, they say children can't see because they're still not focused into this world. And that's correct. But what they are seeing is the energy above you. 
And if you have really good energy, they're going to giggle and have fun. And, you know, for those of us who know how to play with our energy a little bit, we can produce a rainbow above our head or some kind of colorful flowers or something like that. And they can see that and they will respond to it very often. So these are some of the places where you can start to be aware, you know, a child even that is just coming off of the spirit plane and into the the physical world is still very much tuned into the spirit world. And if you are too, there is space for communication. Yeah, and that's, well, with anything and anyone, the first and foremost, most important thing to get anything even started is communication. So with, with kids, especially like Raphael was saying, they're, more sensitive in general than adults because by the time you grow up to be an adult, everybody's, everyone was a kid once, right? <laughs> and then by the time you spend several years going through the, the hardships of life and you get quite a few dings <laughs> in your life experience, and what do you do generally until you learn how to heal yourself and how to undo it? It's pretty natural for survival to to kick in and just start to defend yourself and protect yourself. And you start to build up a, like a Fort Knox, you know, security around the most sensitive aspects of your, your being. And uh, it starts right from, you know, pretty much right from the time you're born. And over the years, that could get pretty thick and crusty. And that's why... I'm sure everyone knows at least a few people who are so closed up and so uptight and so grouchy all the time and everything. And all that really means is they're just protecting and defending a great deal of pain they've incurred and they didn't know what to do with it. The less of that the person carries, the more open, the happier, the friendlier and more communicative and everything, more sensitive that person can afford to be. So everyone has the capacity to to heal themselves on that level. Just have to learn, you know, what it takes to start to let go of all that protection and let go of uh, that defense structure, energetic structure you build around your most sensitive, aware aspect of your being, inner being. And um, so then that's, that's really what psychic development is. Psychic means of the soul. So what are we protecting? Oh, we're protecting this most sensitive inner part of our being, which is often called the soul. Yeah, it's, it's our inner psychic being, psychic self. And so it's not the physical part. And it's not even the intellectual part. Yeah, it's it's much deeper in, much more aware and sensitive and powerful and creative. So then when you start to communicate with anybody, but especially with a child, the thing that Raphael was mentioning about being in your own space becomes essential. The difference between when you say hello to someone from being in your own psychic space and not is 
the, the difference in the communication will be night and day. It's a little bit like the exaggerated version of it. A person who's not in their own space, like even a, uh, commonly when a child is bouncing off the walls, right? <laughs> Pretty much everybody's experienced at least a couple times when some child is just going off the rails and and just everybody, all the adults have no idea what to do with this screaming, tantrum-throwing tantrum kid. Well, that child lost their space. They're, they don't, they can't find their own space to be the soul, that sensitive spiritual being that they are. And, and so the, the being is out of the body, bouncing off, literally bouncing off the walls, not knowing what to do, how to handle it. And the body's just going on autopilot, running around in circles and screaming and yelling and, and fighting everything. And, and uh, that's really losing their space. Adults do that too, except in a usually, uh, hopefully a little bit different manner. But, but adults lose their space, you know, frequently. And, and they just hold it in or they just simmer or they just, you know, throw daggers with their eyes or whatever. <laughs> they just don't act it out as, as loudly as a lot of times children would. So what do you do? Being in your own space. What's that mean? That's, it's so simple. It's difficult thing for a lot of people to do. <laughs> the simpler it is, the more difficult because all that protection and everything and, and survival complicates you. And you complicate yourself in order to, to be more protected. Being in your own space just means being aware of the truth of who you really are. And who you really are is not, it's never about what kind of a body you have or what kind of a job you have or how many, you know, uh, awards you've gotten or how wealthy you are. No, that's not who you are. That's what you've done, what you've accumulated, whatever. Who you are is forever. It's eternal. It's your eternal essence. And the more you start to recognize that as yourself, rather than the body or even your personality, the more you start to naturally, just being aware of who you are more, you give yourself more space to just be yourself. Huh. Then you're in your own space. And from that, you can say hello to anybody, and especially like a, even a baby, right? They don't have to know language in the sense of, a verbal, uh, intellectual language with words and everything. No, they'll communicate with you and you can communicate with them. This is the thing of intimacy, isn't it? When two people, two really good friends can sit there next to each other or across from each other at a, a coffee shop or whatever, and you don't have to chit-chat, chatter, 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 chatter about nothing. No. You could just sit there and enjoy each other's company and, and feel totally safe, comfortable, relaxed, and 
just go, wow, this is great. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You just are with each other. That's what so many people are craving, in fact, isn't it? Because when you're with some person who's not someone you truly know and are comfortable with and everything, you feel like you can't just sit there with that person. You can't just be with that person, can you? You got to say something, you got to do something, you know, fill in the blank, fill in the emptiness. But it's in that emptiness that you get to experience who someone truly is. Especially with an infant or a small child who hasn't developed a large vocabulary that you know. So there's not going to be that kind of verbal communication. <laughs> using words. It's going to be just being with that being. And the more you're able to allow yourself to be just being, and the more you're able to allow the child to be as that child is. Ah, That's another way to look at giving someone space to just be themselves. You don't have expectations. Ah, yes. You have to empty your mind of expectations. You should, you shouldn't, you know, all that kind of expectation. You're supposed to. And no demands, judgments. And so, so as you clear your mind of any holding of any kind of judgment about someone, oh, that in itself opens up a whole new space for you to be not only in your own space, but to allow the other person to be in their own space, uh, to have their space to be. That's one of the comments we get often when we first initially meet somebody and, and they go, huh, you're not judging me in any way, shape, or form. And it's like, no, why should I? But for that person, they've been so used to experiencing judgment from everyone, just in general, that it's unusual. Yes, indeed. And also, some of our students who have families uh, and brought their practices, their psychic practices in the families, the families are so very different in the sense that the communication, especially when the kids are teenagers, is amazing. It's not a cutoff thing. And um, there's a lot of peacefulness in those families. So it's been really amazing to watch. Well, we're at the end of our show today. Thank you for joining us. And we hope that our show offered you some insights about how children affect your psychic life and spiritual growth and how you can learn to work with that aspect of your relationship with them. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for an illuminating episode on sibling rivalry and your spiritual growth. Find out where some of that common experience of rivalry between siblings come from, what you can learn from that, and how to heal yourself from it. 
Remember to, to join us for our teleclass. Oh no, not you again. Energy work to heal your relationships. Coming up this Saturday, January 15th, is part of our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think teleclass series happening from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Check our website or call our office at 1530-926-2650 for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.